Well, team, wouldn't you know it when you think you got it all planned out, right? Bulls in control. They flip on you like a dime this market. Tape bombs come in. Bullard comes in. This morning, Diamond talking out there. We'll talk all about the comments that have been said, and we'll take a look. Did the January effect run into a wall? Value trades falling off the tape. Alcoa's earnings, Procter Gamble, Fastenal, Discovery, Allstate with preliminary results. We'll talk about that. Another tape bomb hitting. Morgan Stanley going after a stock that just put out good news. We'll talk all about that right here. And of course, we got our guest, Mark Chaikin. Can't go wrong, right? Chaikin Analytics. Let's get into it. Pre-market prep. It's time to rise and shine, team. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, team, let's get it started. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on the SPY charts here. I'll go to my multi charts so we can take a look. As you guys can see, the SPY down there to 388.22s. Let's go to the TLT. This was what I thought was interesting yesterday, right? TLT actually closed up towards that close. It didn't get through the high there, but it's just an interesting outlook there that we're still seeing the bonds kind of hold on, even though the market's coming down fast here. The dollar index is at 102.27, has been going down since about 8 p.m. yesterday. And also, just to take a look at that, let's take a look at WTI. WTI down right back into the 78 handle. We'll see if it can get back into the 80s. But even oil yesterday taking a hit with that downturn. We'll talk all about that. Gold overall looks like it's still holding in there. We'll take a look at how that performed. Silver pulling back a little bit. Dollar going down. We'll see if this can get a bounce or not. Let's get after this. Let's get back towards the market. Let's bring in our guy, of course, Triple D. What's going on, Triple? Looks like they uh, pulled the rug. I'd say Bullard pulled the rug for sure. Um, we've been expecting a tape bomb. I was expecting it from a earnings from uh, earnings warning from a major company, which we did not get. But they pulled the rug early. They got nervous. And Mitch, right to that technical resistance of 4,000. You yeah. talked about it. I talked about it. It was sticking out like a sore thumb. We double topped on the spy almost to the tick. $400.23, the high from Tuesday. Yesterday high, $400.12. It was the likely spot where there was going to be some targets. We needed to get up through 400 if we were going to think higher. They could not do it. Rejected at major resistance. And then Bullard comments came out, and then they just started selling, and they didn't stop all day. And they still haven't stopped here because we continue down here overnight. So just like that, in a 24-hour period, over half of this year's gains are gone. This is what a bear market is like. This is, you know, where you think you're out of the woods. You think, oh, maybe there's the possibility that we're turning around here. And nope. Rug pull, central, and boom. We lose 120 handles in less than 24 hours. That's how it goes sometimes. And let's give those comments that were given by Bullard yesterday, some of the ones that was said. Uh, he said that the Fed will want to lean to the high side of rates for insurance, even if inflation falls to make sure that the job is done. He also stated that in December, projections expected the end of the 23 rate to be in the 5 0.25% to 5.5% range saying that inflation will probably recede in 23, but not as fast as financial markets expect. So pretty much taming the expectations, right? It seems like yeah. that's what yeah. he had the mentality to do. And that's exactly what he accomplished. I feel yesterday, you guys can see we had a quick turnaround and things just started leaking. And it was a leak, not just in one certain area, let's say technology that was getting a little bit of a bounce. It was a leak all around. You guys can see that even in oil, 
it started pulling back. And, and that just goes us to show, right? Like you can see it here on the five minute. Look how that downturn came in on the XLE. It was everywhere. And I think when we see a lot of the times we talk about market breadth to the upside, right? Well, this was a market breadth move to the downside where you yeah. started seeing everything go. Now I think we need to start questioning, right? What's going on here? Is this a downturn on everything? Because it seemed to me like yesterday they went after growth. They went after value names. They didn't leave anything. No. They went after safe. everything. Mitch, yeah. you're absolutely correct. They went after everything. Take no prisoners. Look at Kraft Heinz. Bet you didn't think we were going to start there. Check out Kraft Heinz, KHC. Little hiding oh, place. Oh, food stocks. They're okay. That's what you want to own during a recession. But none of these things are cheap. Procter Gamble getting taken out and beaten here this morning, too. Again, what we said yesterday on the show was, I don't know who's paying 27, 28 times for these crowded, you know, food stock utility plays. Like, some of them are really high, the PEs. So, I don't get it. KHC beaten up here yesterday. Procter Gamble, look at those lines you've drawn. Right? Rejected right at that line. And then, yeah, boom, man. boom, two-day just... move here off the earnings. And we're, boom, we lose 10 bucks just like that in Procter Gamble. Just like that, you lose 7% in Procter Gamble. So, yeah, I mean, this is just not safety. If you want to be in, I've said this. You know, some people were saying I was bullish yesterday. I didn't feel that bullish yesterday, but maybe I came off that way. Um, I thought we were going to be caught. Okay. okay to be bullish until you saw that 400 rejection. Well, that's it. I mean, we had to get up through the 400. We talked about that resistance point. But anyways, you know, maybe I came off bullish, but I didn't feel bullish. I wasn't trading bullish, but that's, um, you know, for a different. You got to be flexible, right, Dennis? I don't think you were fighting 100%. too much when you saw that downturn, right? And, and it, as it soon was as those bullard around, comments right? come out, and here's a point for you: everybody wants to say, "Oh, don't listen to the news. Don't listen to you know to this. Don't listen. Just look at your charts, and you'll be okay." If you were listening to Bullard yesterday, when those comments came out, and you hit the sell button, you sold a hundred points higher, a hundred yeah. points higher. That was the tape bomb. Don't listen to people who say, "Don't listen to the news." Listen to the news. If you're a day trader, maybe if you're a long-term investor and you're just buying, you know, every two weeks, you're putting a little bit of S&P in your long-term portfolio and you're 35 years down the road, maybe you can get away with not listening to the news. If you're a trader and you're not listening to the news, you are not doing it right. I will tell you that right now because the headlines move stocks. I, it's, I'm a headline trader. I'm an arbitrager, yeah. but I'm also a headline trader. And when you see Bullard coming out and saying comments like that and they start smacking it, you're like, that's a tape bomb. We've been waiting for the tape bomb. I'm like, that's one. That's a tape bomb. And that was your cue to get the hell out of everything. Anyway, still, obviously, you know, the markets, you know, we're going to get some bounces. We're not going to go straight down, just like we didn't go straight up. I do think we'll eventually we'll get a bounce, but I think you got to be raising cash into that now because all of a sudden the bulls were in control yesterday. Maybe that's what people were saying, you know, that I'm bullish because I said the bulls were in control. They clearly were in control yesterday yeah. until Bullard came out. And just took control back. Yeah. So that's going to change. It was going to change with the tape bomb. It was the Bullard tape bomb yesterday. And again, to your point, Mitch, you have to be flexible. You have to be quick. If you're a day trader, you have to look and say, whoa, now we got problems. And boom. This is, this is why we were talking about it yesterday, Dennis. And I wanted to mention and kind of keep in mind that when you're seeing these types of stocks that get this January effect, these also... The rotation is wicked. And so we got to be careful today on some, especially now we got to look which ones have bottomed, which ones can come right back down to those bottoms. Because just because a stock has run, like I was pointing out like one that like, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect too much. I don't expect to see this all year long, like a Warner brothers, 30, 40% run when a stock has been struggling, moves. you know, that, that that's a crazy move right back up. And you what sell would I when the, we we even said it yesterday. When the circus is in town, what do you do? You sell your peanuts, Holland Pilon. Thank you no. so much for the years you came on the show and gave us that quote. But it's true. When the circus is in town, you sell your peanuts. What do we say on Coinbase yesterday? Yeah. What do we say on Coinbase yesterday? So you know, multiple people telling me that I got it wrong, even on my Twitter account. I don't think I got Coinbase wrong because what did I say yesterday? Let's rewind the tape. The thing was at fifty-seven dollars, and you know what I said? I said if you're buying it now, you're doing it backwards mm -hmm. the thing lost nine bucks yesterday 
Yeah. It was and that's just quick way it. overbought. You can't buy stocks that run 57% or 70% in five days. You're chasing that stuff. You absolutely deserve to lose money. That will teach you the next time not to chase stuff like that. You cannot chase moves like that. So again, you can hold on. And, you know, but once you got that bullard, boom, that was your sell signal. And obviously, you know, I wish I would have sold more stocks there too. I've still got stocks. You know, I'm still net long overall, always in my long-term account, trading net neutral, but always long in my long-term account. I was thinking about going up to like 50% cash again. I was saying even, you know, multiple people, if we got to 410, I've said jokingly on the show that I was going to sell everything, go 100% cash. Now, I don't think I would have did that. I'd never go 100% cash. But as you got higher, it became more difficult for the bulls. It was more reason to like be cautious. And everything that went, was going right for the bulls went wrong yesterday. Let's take this over to the UAL action because this is just the market that we are in. And you had this awesome news. You had this company, the CEO on CNBC saying, even if we go into a recession, they're going to make $10 a share. They see no signs of slowing demand. They see nothing. Stock opens up or is trading up at 54 in the pre-market. That stock opened. And they just tanked it. And they couldn't stop tanking it all day. And you're like, wow, this market is calling UAL's bluff is what it's doing. It's saying, UAL, you're wrong because this demand will sell. That's what the market is saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the market is saying. Because there's no way you would sell UAL that hard if you thought they were really going to make $10 to $12 a share this year. That's the market saying, you're not pricing in this recession as well as you think you are. And that's why they sold it off yesterday. It was a huge move from 36 to 54. It was a huge move. It was way overbought. Would I buy this on a pullback? 45 is a logical spot, I think, on UAL, if you really want to do a technical on this. Um, and full disclosure, I do have a trading position on it, So, um, which I will trade out at the open. I won't disclose the side. But I'm just saying um, on UAL is that I was just using it as an example. I forgot that I have a very small trading position. No um, but, I think it's important to mention. Yeah, yeah. I, I always mention if I'm in my day trading, I will be trading out of that, you know, between the 930 and 10. Because I always go on my day trading portfolio, I always go flat between 930 and 10. So I will be getting out of that trade. Um, but I do think 45 is a logical spot for a bounce if, you know, you're looking at it there. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, I just wanted to mention UAL. I'm just using as an example. Roblox was my other example. RBLX. RBLX, $33.32 here this morning, getting a downgrade from Morgan Stanley. On that day, we talked about, like, you know, it's been a big move, 25 to 38. They came out with good news, and the market stuffed it. UAL came out with good news, and the market stuffed it. The market is selling stocks on good news. That's not what you want to see if you're in this raging bull market or think you're going into this raging bull market. So under the hood, things are looking pretty good two days ago. Under the hood now. It's looking like we got some problems. Yeah, and it's just how quickly the story can change, right? January effect coming into play and turning right back around. And I think one of the things that we need to watch is how will January end, right? Because we started really well. Now let's uh, take a look at how we end. We'll take a look at uh, the Roblox. It did get a lowered price target to 24 from Morgan Stanley and got downgraded to underweight. Just wanted to kind of bring that in. Last comment before we bring on our guest. I do want to mention the comments from this morning. Uh, Jamie Dimon on CNBC Squawk Box mentioning a couple of things. Let's get through that. Uh, He's stating that I actually think rates are probably going to go higher than 5% because I think there's a lot of underlining inflation which won't go away so quickly. Um, he also stated about China that I thought it was definitely impo- important. He stated that we had the benefit of China slowing down, the benefit of oil prices dropping a little bit. I think oil prices probably go up the next 10 years and China isn't going to be deflationary anymore. This comes from Jamie Dimon. I think that's one thing we need to keep in mind. Um, of course, Uh, We did see oil prices drop a little bit. China was more in lockdown mode and has been reopening. Will that demand come back and will oil prices rise again? A lot of people are expecting oil prices to rise back towards 100. We'll see. I mean, the oil stocks actually started coming back down yesterday. Uh, XOM getting up there close towards the high. 
Uh, got close towards that. It went to 114. I think we got a high of 114.12 there to the left, 114.08. So it looks like that 114 acting as major resistance. We'll see if we turn around on the oil trade. And of course, comments from Jamie Dimon. I don't know. Maybe take it with a little bit of salt. We still remember the hurricane. The hurricane is coming. It hasn't been that bad. but It hasn't been that bad. And Jamie Dimon is historically more pessimistic. It's why he's conservative. You know, it's the way he's run J.P. Morgan so well. He plays it safe. So mm-hmm. that is one thing to consider. But those comments absolutely not making you feel all warm and tingly inside by any means. And just listening to the comments, you know, even the Microsoft, and go back to that, like the writing's been on the wall from Benioff to Salesforce to Microsoft laying off and talking about a tougher period ahead. I mean, are we listening? They're telling us that these corporate earnings aren't going to be as good as maybe we hope. Things trained 26 times earnings. So as much as, you know, I love the price action in it yesterday, that all went away just like that. Like it was good price action. They bought it when it got that sell rating from the previous day. But yesterday, key reversal catches everyone. Continuing lower here this morning, obviously with the overall market. I think you're a seller of rallies here in Microsoft too. It's tough market because it turns so quickly. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into our interview today. You guys know him. Let's bring him on, Mark Chagin. What's going on, Mark? It's good to have hey, you. Show. How are you? All right, let's get into the action. Of course, yesterday, everyone, the Bulls felt they were in control, and we ran into the wall there at 400, Mark. What did you see in the markets? Well, I went full out bullish on Tuesday uh, with a special note based on the breakaway momentum thrust that we saw over the previous 10 days and a contraction in new lows. So I'm now of the mind that uh, dips are buying opportunities. So you've gone to the bull camp. So this is this is good. I want to know why. Well, it's this breakaway momentum signal, you know, Walter Diemer, Marty Zweig, you name it. Uh, they they found it. And I think where you're getting the disconnect over the action of the last two days is you got really overbought. You can't get a breakaway momentum signal because it's based on a 10-day advance decline ratio of two to one without getting overbought. And when you're overbought in this kind of market, you are vulnerable, especially during earnings season. Uh, And the, the one feature of this signal, which this is the 19th time it's triggered since 1950. And in the other 18, it was infallible at identifying that a bear market was over. It doesn't pinpoint the bottom. It comes after the bottom, which if you're in the camp that I'm in now, happened in October. But in almost every one of these breakaway momentum situations, you get a pullback of 5 to 8%. So my uh, message was we're in a bull phase, but don't rush out and buy them because there's going to be a couple of pullbacks along the way that'll give you a more comfortable entry point. All right. So now. this actually sets up well for you then, Mark, because yep. obviously, boom, we just get the 3% fall in two days, which is basically what it was. If I rough 400, 388 on spy, we basically just fell 3% in 24 hours. So you're looking at buying this dip. What stocks do you like in here? Well, let's start with what I don't like. Okay. Uh, in, in almost every bull market that I've experienced, the old leadership uh, of the previous bull market does not resurface. So I'm, I'm not buying the Microsofts, the Amazons, the Teslas, the Zooms of the world. Okay. Uh, right now, mid cap and small cap stocks are leading the market they actually have for the last three months. So I'd be looking at mid cap stocks in the machinery, energy, metals and mining space right now and in the pharma, biotech and pharma space. Um, And I'm looking at a stock like U-Haul, which has a really interesting chart and an interesting sort of business opportunity. And I'm looking to buy it on a pullback. Why U-Haul? It's got a great story. They're actually in the storage business. They could spin off their storage business as a REIT. We all think of them as a, uh, 
you know, basically a, the truck's a going down the road. I'm running in and yeah. moving. But their storage business is enormous. They they're uh, yeah. they're basically not valuing that in, and none of that would matter if we didn't have a bullish power gauge rating and you know a pretty strong technical picture. So when I delved into you all, I saw that there's an underlying value to their storage business that I don't think is being reflected in the stock. So it's just a valuation call, like when you're analyzing it with your CFA type cap on there. Yeah, and then which, you um, think the technicals line up well as, as well. Actually, above my pay grade, but you got to you got to understand the uh, you know the underlying fundamentals, not just by the power gauge rating. But I do believe that uh, you know there is you can make the case as to why this bull signal is going to work and. The strongest case I can see is that if the current level of inflation continues, you know, the drop, the rate of change of inflation, the inflation rate is going to be a, below the Fed funds rate sometime in March. And if you've got the inflation rate below Fed funds, uh, the Federal Reserve is not going to be raising rates. That, that'll put them under too much scrutiny, too much pressure, you know, the, this whole notion that they're going to engineer a hard landing would really be on the table. So if you look at the current rate of inflation and the PPI number yesterday only um, sort of reinforced that, core inflation rate is going to be under 5%. It's, it's sort of ironic that Jamie Dimon mentioned the plus 5% because the consensus going into yesterday was that, you know, the terminal rate would be about 5%, 4.95, something like that, two more, two more quarter percent increases. So uh, but I'm not an economist, and I don't think anybody knows what these numbers are going to be, uh, you know, when the story is written. But if you're looking for a reason why this might work, it's the fact that inflation is coming down. I don't know where he's getting this persistent uh, number, because if you talk to people around the country uh, in business and so forth, number is coming down. And so when you get inflation below the Fed funds rate, that takes a little bit of the pressure off in terms of the tightening that's been going on. I agree with you. The inflation is going to come down for the simple reason is that you can't raise interest rates as much and keep spending up. So it's going to start to slow down eventually. The question is, is there a tipping point where this market stops worrying about inflation and starts worrying about a recession? Well, that's what I, up until uh, I put out this special note, that was my thesis that the first leg of the bear market was the uh, tightening driven inflation mm -hmm. concern bear market leg. And the second leg would be an earnings recession. Um, Why are you not concerned about that anymore? Uh, I am concerned about it, but the technicals were so strong that I felt I had to go with them. Um, it's possible that that could get pushed out into the fourth quarter that, you know, maybe there is no, the numbers certainly look like you're in a recession, the ISM figures from last week and so forth. Ironically, the market didn't care about that when it was, you know, generating this momentum thrust. So uh, I think you have to factor in the influence of the algos. And when the algos get, uh, you know, they got the Bank of Japan disappointment before the opening yesterday, uh, today, you get the Jamie Dimon disappointment. They're going to be full on sell mode, just the way uh, Dennis described. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Look, um, I, I, my mentor, Stan Burge at Tucker Anthony, who was the first monetary technical quant, used to say, I'm, I may be wrong, but I'll never be misunderstood. And I think that's sort of a feature of the show that uh, that you guys put on every morning. Uh, I'm sometimes misunderstood because I do flip around. I mean, as a well, trader, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the same way. And you're the same way, That's Mark, to is. a certain extent, too. I mean, you said yourself, you know, you'll flip and you just kind of did flip because you've been bearish and you're going to bullish here now. Yeah. I think as a job, as, our, as traders and market timers, it's our job to flip. Um, you know, people oh, yeah. want to just hear, you know, bull, bull all the time or, you know, they want to hear, you know, the opposite. They don't like the flipping around. But I mean, I think as traders, it's our job to flip, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the worst thing you can do as a trader is to put your feet in cement or an investor. You yeah. know, you, you can't get stubborn about a stock, fall in love with it or love to hate it. Um, but, or fight the price action, right? Yeah, I mean, you can fight the tape. And so, you know, I, I don't consider this flipping because I've been bearish since last January. So, uh, you know, it's really reversing 
course where I felt you should be selling the rallies all the way up, selling the uh, mega cap, quote unquote, growth stocks. I do think if you're looking for what not to buy, just look at Kathy Wood's portfolio. That That's just going to underperform, <laughs> underperform, underperform. And that's been the performer in January, but I do believe I'm with you. January effect, yeah, they're driving things. the bus yep. and that's probably not sustainable. Well, that's why I like mid-cap. You know, a, a lot has been made of the fact that 33% of the stocks in the Russell um, 3,000 or 2,000 don't make any money. It, the mid-cap, particularly the MDY, because it's curated by an investment committee at Standard & Poor's, that doesn't mean they're all winners, obviously, but it means that they've called out the stocks with no earnings and shaky financials. If you yeah. look at the bullish rated stocks in the MDY, however you define them, I obviously I'm going to define them with the power gauge, but you mm -hmm. can define them technically. If you look at the bullish stocks in the MDY and you start buying them on dips, I think you're going to be in the right place. I'll just give you a smattering from the yeah. top. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, stocks like AGCO, I'm, I'm reading alphabetically, AMG, really? AMKR, uh, Sienna, CLF, CMC, commercial metals, which were long in one of our portfolios, recommended portfolios. Uh, there's tons of stocks. There are 121 bullish rated stocks in that list of 400. Only 67 bearish rated. Interactive Brokers is there. That, that's on a, one of our recommended lists and, you know, made a new high yesterday. I, I definitely buy I, I'm that. I'm still waiting for my thank you card from Interactive Brokers. As you know, <laughs> back in April, I switched from Bray Trading and I'm full Interactive Brokers. Oh, I now. didn't know that. Yeah. And I tell you, the stock's been doing fantastic since oh, I did my God, the I earnings... look at my volumes and I was like, how are they not doing good? All right? an earning, it was an earnings blowout. No, that's know, the that's Dennis me. effect. I'm waiting for the thank you, you card. I did uh, a lot of commissions there. You had, been, <laughs> you had been at Bright for over 20 years, hadn't you? Yeah, 23 years. I just moved uh, tax purposes more than anything. So yeah. it was, it was, it was, uh, I love Bright Trading and I still have a great relationship with them. And I would have stayed there forever. But I got to a point where if you're going prop, and if some people like talking that stuff, I'll talk it for a brief second. But the main reason to go prop is to get access to capital. And I've been trading 23 years and I've built enough wealth that I felt like I can do it on my own without bright trading capital anymore. Yeah. So obviously there's benefits to that. You keep more of what you're making. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, you, there's also tax benefits in different ways too, because I'm Canadian U.S. company. It was always a sloppy mess for me for 23 years doing the taxes. So just cleaner for me, easier um, that I don't have to file, you know, an IRS return. I won't have to after this year again. So, cause now I'm fully yeah, in Canada that's a big doing everything from Canada. Yeah, it helps. So, you know, obviously it just makes my tax life easier because right now I've always had to file in the U.S. because I work for the U.S. company and then pay the difference to Canada was just a mess all the time. So anyway, sounds like a bunch easier. of IRS stuff. Though. Don't worry. Yeah. about. That. I don't have to deal with the IRS after 2023. <laughs> so that's, you know, all right. that, that, that's the nice thing. Not dealing with the IRS anymore. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So back, you're, you're lucky, back to guys. the back to the MDY, yep. you've got a pool of 120 stocks with bullish ratings. And I'm here to tell you that you buy the, these stocks on dips and you're going to be well positioned for 2023. Well, perfect. Thank you for bringing it in the outlook, Mark. Going to wrap it up. Main thing is we're about to get some 830 numbers. We'll go ahead and, uh -oh. and kind of you're deliver those. Wide, uh -oh. uh, initial jobs. It's initial what is it? jobless claims. All right, that's uh, so enough for me to go. We'll wide. see what we'll wide. see what happens. Appreciate you coming on, like always, Mark Chaikin. You guys can check him out, and also what you guys hear him talking about. Go ahead and check out Chaikin Analytics. Right, that's exactly what he's talking about. If you guys want to find out what's bullish on the power gauge, go ahead and check it out. Chaikin Analytics threw up the link there. We'll see you next time, Mark. Always great to have you. Be well. Take Thanks, care. Mark. Thank you. All right, let's get to it. I want to give you guys the preview Good number before every it hits. day. It seems like it, Dennis. What's going <laughs> That's on? Just how it you is, need man. less economic numbers. It's annoying that you know, all right. You gotta, so oh, let me give you guys. Uh, don't get picked off by the high frequency trader. That's super fast. Preview so. is two hundred and fourteen thousand. Let's see what we get here as it comes in. Of course, like always, team. We'll see if this actually moves the market. Looks like we got one hundred and ninety thousand versus two hundred and fourteen thousand. Not what we want to see. Jobs staying. Uh, I'll, I'll take. Fed Chair Jerome Powell's word, staying robust. 
Um, and definitely, let's go to the spy, see how the action is there. I don't think this is going to help the Didn't action really right move. now. Um, but I will give you guys the number here. Initial jobless claims coming in, 190,000 versus 214,000. Prior was 205,000. We're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. It sounds bad, but we need more jobless claims, team, because there's a couple of things that either need to happen, right? It's either an extreme weakening of the economy or an extreme weakening of the jobs number. That's what will make, at least in my eyes, the Fed not only pause, but pivot. If you want them to pivot, I think we really need to see those kind of numbers starting to show up where the economy is getting so weak that it's like recessions here. And then it's yeah. like, okay, well, you, you kind of need to change tunes, Fed, because we're getting destroyed. Well, that's what we need to be seeing, not what we're seeing right now. Um, we are starting to see slowdown, but slowdown is not destruction of the economy right now. Seems like it's hanging in there. Initial jobless claims, 190,000 versus 214. Uh, as you guys can see, we did get a little action now, starting to dip a little bit there towards 387.89s. We just went through the pre-market low there. We'll look to see if we continue trading down. Stocks that I am really uh, thinking that we're getting that next leg lower is to me is going to be Apple. Why? Because of the rejection of I'm the trend line. The um, same thing happened on Microsoft. I'll show you guys the pattern. I've been trying to talk about this on stock market movers uh but microsoft did a very similar move it came down came back to the trend line and rejected it hard as soon as we rejected it hard we went right back down there towards those lows that's what i can see happening here in apple as we try to get back towards the 140 rejected that move yesterday could be right back down there towards 126 we'll see what happens there tesla right we got above that 123 will we be able to hold that level Right. I mean, there's a lot to think about there. If that cuts through and we're back towards 115, I know I would be running towards the door. But like always, you guys make your own investment decisions there. How do you feel about Tesla, Dennis? And then we'll move forward. I have a trading position earnings. on in Tesla. So <laughs> I will limit my comments no um, on Tesla. And I'm just an arbitrage position that we get out there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to limit my comments on Tesla. But just say the overall market here, again, a lot of the tech stocks that we just talk in general on the tech. A lot of them really had ugly days yesterday. You know, the reversals were ugly and some of them were key reversals. What that means is it made a new high from the previous day and then made a new low and closed lower on the previous day. Microsoft, key reversal there yesterday. I mean, we just go through the names and not all of them did, but a lot of them did. And that's a problem. So, you know, even it was really, you know, what was ugly yesterday? Yeah, there was a lot of ugliness in tech. But going mm -hmm. back to what you were saying off the bat, like the Kraft Heinz, you know, the Procter and Gamble. Those are the you ones know, that the AbV, which I That's sold a... my Abby. You know, I sold my Abby because I just felt it had gone too much too fast. And I was on a long-term account, but I just felt like the valuation, this valuation was fine still on it. Just too crowded, too crowded. You and see Pfizer, look at what's Pfizer happening Pfizer here now. Right? Pfizer yeah, and Pfizer I'm on. wrong on. I bought that thing. I can't even remember where I bought it now there. I feel like. 47 i think 47 so obviously you know taking some heat on that one there i still feel Johnson, like i'm gonna be Johnson. okay pfizer long run again that one in the long-term account it was not a day trade um you know bristol myers is actually right where i bought it actually this morning coming back to it so it's held up a little bit better but i still want drug exposure i'm like looking you know again you're always just balancing your long-term portfolio if I'm going into a recession, I want a lot of cash and a lot of very conservative investments, but not, I'm not, I'm traded like normally you would be in the food stocks and the consumer staples, but they've just up so much that they're not cheap anymore. So why, do, why am I going to go into a utility or why am I going to go into a food stock when I can just go into cash at 5.1%? If you go back three years ago, we went into cash, we got 1% or less. Now we're getting 5%. So I'm like, why am I going to go into the XLU for 2.98% or a Southern for 4.02% where I can go into cash for 5%? It doesn't make sense to me. So why am I going to take market risk? So that's why I hate all those stocks right now because I think they've just ran up too much too fast. Procter Gamble, same story. I mean, and obviously it's coming off here now. You know, I've been saying that for a while though. So I've been wrong. It's been going up. I think I'm going to end up being right. I don't get it. 
So I think there's a bubble and a lot of value names right now. And that can change. Everything can change very quickly. Your, your deer might have been right now. <laughs> and again, deer. Yeah. So, and again, 440, I got bearish. It came down to 415. I got cocky and put a tweet out there saying I'm going to be right. And then it went up like for a week in my face, right back to the 440 again. But rejected. Caterpillar all-time highs. Has no business, no business making new all-time highs if we're going into a recession. Again, Maybe it's the fact that it's got the low PE. People are just gravitating to those stocks. That's what's really been driving the bus. But I think that low PE trade has gotten crowded. I think, you know, so much of the selling and there's so many names that are sitting up near highs. I don't get it. I don't get why there's so many names just sitting up here near 52-week highs or even making new 52-week highs. I know your momentum traders love to buy those stocks. Those are the ones they want to own. Those are the ones they seem to gravitate to. I mean, it's always the momentum. But I'm always, you know, looking at the overall picture. And if I think we're going to recession, so I've, again, top-down approach. My Still, my long-term is recession. Well, I don't want to own Caterpillar. I don't want to own home builders. And I believe the home builders are the biggest value traps out there. They keep going up. They look great on the relative strength. People saying their PEs are six or seven. How can you go wrong? Because those PEs, those are very cyclical earnings. And if we do go into recession, you will see that trade come off very, very quickly. As quickly as Procter & Gamble is coming off here right now, going down 7% in two days for a staple, you can see the home builders do the same thing. I tweeted out some KB Homes um, in data. I don't know, um, it, you know, I can't verify the accuracy of it, but I just read you the tweet. It was from user, let me grab it. I don't know if you can show it. Nick, Nick Gurley, and he said the KB Homes, large home builder, just reported a 68% cancel rate. Again, I can't verify the accuracy of this, but if this is accurate, that's the biggest cancellation rate in a long time. It means people are not going through with their contracts. They okay. signed to build a house. 68% of those people canceled. Why? Because the money isn't there. And mm -hmm. the, it's still expensive. And just because lumber prices came down, a lot of the other inputs into those houses have not come down. And labor has went up. So, yeah. I mean, if you were looking at building this house for this, and now you're looking at this, and now you're looking at a mortgage rate of doing that house at this, you're likely not to do it. I feel like the home builders are in the perfect storm here where it's going to be the value trap and they're safe. And yeah, we're all just going to build homes and go around in our happy world. I mean, butterflies and rainbows and all kinds of happy stuff. I don't think it ends happy for these home builders. I believe they're going to be hammered if we go into a recession, hate them. All right, let's get into some of the earning reports today. Let's go to Alcoa. Of course, this had been strong. Let's get towards the chart. Alcoa, look at that turnaround yesterday. That just told me enough. It was a big turnaround. They came in, beat the loss expectation. They came in with a loss of 70 cents, beating the loss of 75 cent estimate. Sales at 2.7 billion, beat the 2.65 billion estimate. Alcoa, uh, writing in their earnings there in regards to the outlook beyond the first quarter of 2023, the annual mine plan approval process for Western Australia is currently taking longer than it has traditionally. So it looks like slowdowns in those expansion plans, uh, definitely getting hit here in the pre-market. We'll look to see if this completely turns this trade around as just getting that pullback. Again, big runs here. The commodities have come back nicely. Some of them never came off at all. You got Exxon Mobilize setting up at all-time highs. But going back to Alcoa, I mean, key reversal yesterday. Key yep. reversal into the print. And then the print's not good, and they bounce it. Now, there is support at 50. It's the psychological level of 50. It's where calls and puts. There'll be a lot of open interest there. A lot of times, these psychological levels are for reasons there's just high open interest. So if you're, you know, you're long the 50s, you know, that may be where you hedge up is at the 50, you know, on the stock because your arbitragers, your market makers use the options and then hedge with the stock a lot of times. So, I mean, 50 is a logical point for that hedging. So we'll see what happens there. But again, this is a cyclical earnings. So just don't get attractive. What I want to, what I want to say and what I want to teach here is, and now I've learned this the hard way over investing. You know, you invest in these companies when, this, when the cycle's going well and you see a P of five, six, and you're like, man, you know, this is just a no-brainer. But the cyclicals turn and the earnings can go negative. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you go into a recession, you're bought something with a P of six and all of a sudden it's got a P of the little infinity sign. And you're like, what the hell happened? That's what can happen. So you got to be careful just jumping into earnings like the person that was on CNBC and saying Nucor's got the P of, you know, and he's been right. Nucor continues to go higher here. 
But just at the same time, you've got to just analyze, you know, U.S. Steel. A lot of these companies have come back a long ways from the lows. I think you ring the register on all this stuff. U.S. Steel, 28 bucks, got down to like 15 16 $17 when the value invest, you know, obviously we got down in October and the value stocks just took off. I think that trade is over. I think that trade's coming close to the end. Like obviously, we have no crystal ball. We know nothing for certainty. But I think it's more of a time to take profits in the cyclicals as to get attracted by these six, seven PEs, which won't last if we're going to recession. I will mention at least from Steel, the latest news that I had, I was watching Cleveland Cliff. I actually got stopped out of one, one or two of these trades here. Uh, Cleveland Cliff had hiked flat rolled steel prices by $50 a ton um, to $800 a ton. So it looks like steel getting more expensive. We don't know. That's also creating uh, kind of the demand destruction there, but just kind of mention the latest steel news that I've been seeing. That's what got also you saw seeing Nucor get a little bit of a lift and X get a little bit of a lift. But yeah, yeah. the turnaround on these can be really quickly. And I Very think that, quick. that we all need to be kind of wary when we see everything come down. That's what I noticed yesterday. It just wasn't one area. It was everything coming down. It seemed like nothing was safe yesterday. That's something definitely to be worried about. Let's keep going. Let's get towards another headline. Of course, uh, I don't know if you guys caught, but there was a pre-announcement by Allstate. Let's talk about that. Uh, All AAL. This is an area that some people were thinking that was probably safe, right? Insurance it had been going up. Everyone talking about how these were safe. Well, tape bomb coming in. Q4 adjusted net loss at 335 million to 385 million. Uh, Wells Fargo did, though, maintain underweight on Allstate. They lowered their price target to 105. So as you guys see, in Allstate take a hit today. Um, it could be coming after other insurances. And it looks like, I mean, look at that monthly. Big rejection off the 140. Couldn't get through there. Um, again, it's never good news when you're supposed to make money and all of a sudden you come on toss, you're going to lose money. So that's why yeah. Allstate's down 5%. You got some support down here, 120 to 125 area. Let's see what happens. Very light volume here so far, but obviously getting hit pretty good. It is, you know, if you think about insurance, it's typically a little bit more stable. Even in a recession, you still got to get insurance. So I don't think they're as recessionary. Like they're, they're not cyclical like a lot of other stocks. Obviously, you know, if there's a disaster, it's never good for them. Um, I'm not that nervous about an Allstate. No position in it here. I actually had a position before I started the show and I covered it. Um, I don't know. It's it's down six seven bucks. I feel like it's kind of priced in. Let's go to DFS uh, Discover Financial Services. They reported earnings also EPS at three dollars and seventy seven cents. Beat at three dollars and sixty six cent estimate. Sales at three point seven three billion. Beat at three point six six billion estimate. Um, and still taking a hit. A lot of this was uh, lost provisions being included into the earnings. We'll see what happens now. Discovery taking a hard hit to the downside. Credit services, even them starting to get a little bit concerned about what's going on out there. Are we going to start seeing consumer issues? Something to think about. Not good. Again, so you see DFS getting and obviously getting hit really hard here. And then you start thinking about the consumer. And you know what? That might show up. Um, direct Peer, COF, Capital One, Direct Peer, American Express. People think of Visa and MasterCard, but they're different businesses because Visa and MasterCard are more processors where they mm -hmm. process the transaction, um, where obviously they don't hold as much risk. Discover, American Express, COF, direct competitor. COF, the most direct competitor. So if you're looking at the relationship-based trades, that's why COF is trading down here today too. Um, if you're trying to find support DFS, I would have said this 94 to 95 area right where it's trying to hold. Let's see what it does at the low on October the 20. On um, my dates are all messed up here. On December the 20th was um, just grabbing it here. Sorry, 94.42. So I mean, we're right there. We're trying to hold that December low. If we don't hold that, then you start thinking about the 90. We still have a little bit of the buy the dip mentality out there. To Mark's point, you know, he's looking at buying the dip. So there's still some people out there looking to buy the dip. We just came off 120 handles. So again, as much as I said on Coinbase, if you're selling it yesterday, you're doing it backwards. It might be the fact that, you know, we just saw it fell 120 handles in 24 hours. If you're shorting stocks now, you're probably doing it backwards too. 
I think there could be a check back. Maybe there's a piece of good news. Maybe there's something, you know, that bounces. These buy the dippers are still out here. Wouldn't surprise me if we did get a bounce back day. I'd be using that to sell, though, if we get a bounce. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into another headline, uh, Fastenal. I know we don't talk too much about this company anymore, but it's the nuts and bolts behind, right? Everything. Uh, We saw at the one time that it definitely went down. Let's talk about their earnings here. GPS at 43 cents beat the 42 cent estimate. Sales at 1.7 billion beat the 1.68 billion estimate. Came down a little bit trying to recover I don't know too much about fast, so I'll, I'll kind of pitch it here. To yeah, you can pitch it. I can't talk it because I got a position in it. So oh, that's always fun, right? Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's just hey, it's just how it is, right? At least uh, we know Dennis is on these moves, right? <laughs> we tried, don't know man. which way he is, but that's the fun part, right? Let's keep well, going. I, I can disclose, but I, I'm I, like I can. No, I, don't, I don't worry know. about it. Dennis. I don't know how. Like if you, if I, I don't like to influence the stocks. So I just don't exactly. So I just say I'm in it. I'm not going to talk about it. That's cool. I think that's important. If I'm important intending there. to trade something in the next hour, I don't want to talk it. So I just pass. I, I'm not taking a pass on pass. Nothing wrong with that. Definitely. Let's go ahead. And you know what? It's about 8.46. We can do a little bit of ticker time. I can also review Procter & Gamble's uh, earnings just to kind of touch it. We talked about the stock already multiple times. The EPS came in line. Sales beat. Uh, fiscal year organic sales guidance up. And still getting whacked. Yeah, there We've was talked fine. about this. This is a crowded trade that's coming off hard. People realizing that Procter and Gamble is not cash. Procter and Gamble is not safe. KHC is not safe. If you go into a recession, there, um, people keep asking where are you getting five percent. It's Ontario five percent, but you can still get four point two, four point three. Some people are talking to munis are getting five. There are are relatively risk free investments out there, four to five right now. And by relative, I mean it's it's government secured investments. So. They're out there. So depending on where you are, obviously, it's going to be a little bit of difference. But 4%, 5%, um, I'd rather still be in, even in 4% than in a Procter & Gamble at 2.58% with a P at 27 All right. Now, this one was an interesting one. Couldn't bounce back with the earnings. United uh, Health, right? Uh, let's get take a look here. United Health continuing down as of late. Down there to 474.23. Just look at the daily chart. This tells you enough. It tried to get back up there. Earnings couldn't do it. It's continuing down. And I mean, look at the industry overall. It's not looking good. Look at Cigna. That was really strong. That has fallen off the wagon there. We'll see what happens with like uh, Alviance Health uh, also taking a big hit. Looked good, right? Up there to 540. Looked like it was going to continue breaking out. Now all the way right back down. Got to be careful with these healthcare plans. Yeah. CVS also falls in this. Look at CVS's turnaround. So all looks- these safety trades, these are all conservative safety plays where people mm-hmm. are saying, "Hey, we go into recession. I'm safe in CVS. Are you? Are you safe in the UNH? If it really gets ugly, yeah, those will actually hold up better. The companies, but the stock still gets smacked. So, and again, they're hiding in these things, and the PEs are not cheap. What's a PE on UNH? I'll not that right cheap. Now. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, it's not. Mitch's going to grab it here. I could grab it too. They're just grabbing the PE really quickly there, and obviously. But it's I not. Have, it's... I have 19 with an industry average of 12. Yeah. So, again, best of breed. Earnings aren't growing much. It's stable, but you want to pay PE 19 above a market multiple for relatively no growth? I'd rather just be in cash. So, I think the Tina trade, the lack of a Tina trade, is what is hurting these. And what that means is there is alternatives now. And I think eventually that comes to roost. But I've been predicting that for a while and been wrong. And these stocks keep going higher. I'm starting to be right, though. So utilities, consumer staples, even some of these healthcare stocks. And yes, people say, well, why are you buying drug stocks then? I'm buying drug stocks which are way under a market multiple and are pretty beat up. So I was picking on Bristol-Myers, which I think the P is at 12 or 13. I'm picking on Pfizer, which the P is 10 or 11. So I'm buying them significantly under market multiples. I don't want to pay above market multiples for these trades. So again, yeah. it comes back to valuation. I want to pay 27 times earnings for Procter & Gamble. When it's not really growing earnings, kind of just sitting there, not as safe as cash. I'd rather be in cash. I think it's hard to determine where is safe now, right? Because if we're cash. seeing the value names getting hit, then I mean, that's going to be just hard, right? I mean, that, that turnaround yesterday shows a lot. Um, also, I saw it in like Mondelez. Um, you saw it in kind of confectionaries. Really scary for those stocks. 
It's you know? a fantastic point. That's an ugly candle in Mondelez. Look at yeah. all the candles in MDLZ. Bring up MDLZ. We'll just teach something yeah. here again, Mitch. Let's fantastic point. But look at all the candles. Oh, if you could scroll out, like just go scroll so you can out. see them more. Got you. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say shorter, shorter term, just so you can shorter see the last you. 90 days. Go yeah, to the last yeah. 90 days. Let's go. Let's, this the, is, the biggest this candle is really 50 cents, 60 cents, and then boom, it loses two Big bucks. You're like, what just happened? Yeah. What just happened? Stair step up. Realize, yeah. Elevator move down, right? And That's what, do you what we're think? seeing. When you get a candle like that, how many people are trapped? How many people are saying, oh, well, it'll come back. It's Mondelez. I'll be okay in that food stock. You know what I think happens? I think you get follow through candles. I think you have everybody trapped. So I'd be mm -hmm. selling whatever I could in MDLZ, bro. I think it's got a date with 60. Yeah, just think about it. If you got it here on this little pullback and you were thinking, all right, well, I'm getting through 67.50, I'll be looking good. Tomorrow, you hang on this stock one day too long. And that's why I think it's also a good lesson in understanding what your risk really is, right? Because some people have a tendency of end up like, you know, oh, my risk is here at 66. And then they're like, nah, I'm going to move it down to 65.50. Ah, move it down to 65. And that's easily how you end up with a bag, especially when you're getting this type of action yeah. because you get caught. You literally yeah. get caught and you're like, well, Maybe if it comes back to 66, I can get rid of it today. Well, that kind of action can really be painful. One thing that I've been thinking about, Dennis, and I've been talking to a, like an investment buddy of mine, and you know, we've been thinking, you know, when do we time the market, right? When do we really put money to work? Something that I've been talking about that I think is important to kind of have the perspective is that you might have to go through some short-term pain for the long-term gain. I think that's something that we need to be thinking about too, because on some of these companies, let, let's just be honest. Like, let's say like a, a Disney or a Netflix that's reporting tonight, right? These companies, I don't feel by any means are going away anytime soon. No, right? I, I, no we don't think Netflix no. is going away anytime soon. So in these kind of companies, we need to be thinking what could be maybe the short-term pain for the long-term gain, right? Long-term approach. I think on a stock like Netflix, when we got that huge dip down there towards the 200s, 165, things like that, we need to be looking P for was opportunities. 16. It was trading under a market multiple. That's why I, I, I tripled down and I had a, jumped in too early because the PE was sitting around 25, 26. Shouldn't have did it. I jumped in and then I tripled down in the 175 area and obviously brought my cost basis way down and ended up making money on it. But I mean, now the PE just expands 30. So I'm like, well, I'm like, it's not cheap anymore. So that's why I've sold it. So, and I've been wrong. I, you know, obviously I think I sold at 307. It's continued to go higher from there. It's 323 here now. So out early, but I just feel like, you know, a tape bomb comes in this thing. Now you don't have valuation to lean on. It's nice when you have valuation to lean on. And again, a 16 PE in Netflix is not like a 16 PE in, you know, a drug stock or something. There's still growth there. Netflix isn't just going to turn around and not have growth. So it can work into that 30 multiple. But again, I think we're going to a period where the growth is going to slow. So I don't pay 30 times. I pay a market multiple on Netflix all day long. Now, what do you think about a company that has been running as of late? Will this trade turn around? The meta trade. This has made a big run since that kind of low. We got down there to 88.09. We're back towards 131. Yeah. This was about a 53% drive there in meta. This one's one that I've been looking at, but... I'm sure you guys know how I probably feel about this one. I don't I, I don't see it back up here. But I think this is all going to be dependent on advertising, right? Does advertising do well this quarter or did it do well last quarter, really? We'll see. We'll have to wait and find out from Meta. Of course, I also will be paying attention towards what Netflix says tonight about advertising to see how their ad tier went. 140 was major resistance back in October. We've come all the way back to there. We're starting to fail around 137s. I think time to ring the register on Meta is now. Don't like it. Well, we'll see what happens there. In Meta. I think Let's the go. PE is attractive, but I think it's just run enough that it's time to start thinking about ringing the register. It's been a big run, right? Let's we can talk Rivian. I'm still in Rivian yeah, as a swing it. trade. It looks like I obviously should have sold it yesterday. I did not sell it because I kind of had that stop out point of 1582. I want to see if we got follow through. It had an, it was starting to look good. And then the rug pulling all. So I am still in the swing long in Rivian. 
Um, somebody, you know, just paid because they want to get a technical on it. Um, I, I'm going to stop out if it gets under 1582. So that was the low of the move there. So, you know, I'll probably give it to like a little bit through it, but you know, I'm intending to stop out and lose. I bought it, I think 16, right in here, 16 and a quarter. I've been up in it, down in it, up in it, down. And I keep thinking that the growth rally, but it didn't really participate. It, it tried to participate the last couple of days, but then obviously now the rug pull on all the growth names makes me think I'm probably going to get stopped on this and take the 50 cent loss, which is equivalent to about 3%. Right now I'm even. I'm probably going to hold for that just to see if we do get follow through this morning. We get a bounce. I may sell into that too. Probably going to maybe trade out of it shortly. Right now I'm back to even on that swing. So wish I would have sold it yesterday. We'll see what happens there in Rivian. I'm still thinking that maybe they can turn things around, but it's definitely going lower and lower. We'll see if they're able to hold, hold on there. Well, it's been holding on, so it hasn't been going lower and lower. It's kind of stabilized. I, I'm just January, more along. It, like it, didn't, it didn't participate as well. Yeah. And I thought there was a catch-up trade here because I saw Lucid taken off, Tesla taken off. I'm like, eventually, they're going to grab this Rivian too. They just never have. So, and again, I don't want to get married to this position because the valuation is still not attractive. So, obviously, I don't even make money. So, I can't just sit on here and lean on valuation. I mean, it starts taking out the lows. Eventually, this thing could be a lot lower. So, you know, for here, I've got, I'm holding on for those lows. Looks like they might stop me out. We will see today. All right, let's go ahead. Let's keep going into other names out there. I did see uh, Amazon mentioned in the chat. Uh, this one turned around from that looked like it wanted to go through that 100. Can't get through it. We'll see what happens. Will we get back up there towards, let's say, 96, 99? I don't know. I mean, Amazon's just been tough. It's already con come up. I think 100 is definitely resistance. If we can get through there, it won't be looking too bad. But I'll be looking for a little bit of pullback. Failing um, right where you get scared that it Thursday's fail. lows. Failing at the wrong spot, right at 100 bucks. Gets up to 99, 32, 100. It's obviously going to be major resistance. Tried it a couple days. Can't even get near it. Now it's back down to 94. Now you start thinking about 90. So if you're buying at 80 to 100, basically back down to the 90. So I think you find buyers around 90. Uh, full disclosure, still have the long-term position. My wife's account's a half-size position. All right, let's keep going. We'll take a look at what else is being mentioned in the chat. Oh, the riot in the Mara, the Bitcoin stocks. That's how all quickly things can turn came around. Off hard right? yesterday. They oh. were all obviously overbought. They all were riding the Bitcoin rally and the the rally into the beaten down, you know, no earnings zombie type stocks. I mean, now boom, Mara coming off, riot coming off, high blockchain coming off hard yesterday i think you're a seller of rallies in these stocks i think worst times are ahead definitely we'll see what happens there in riot it did do a hard turnaround yesterday uh gm by chase uh this is an area that i definitely don't want to be in i just don't see good things in 23 for the auto manufacturers especially i do see demand destruction coming for new cars used cars i wouldn't be in the, i wouldn't want to be in the car business right now Part of me thinks, you know, you know, on the GM, they're going to have huge revenues eventually coming in from EV. They're going to be major players. I still love that story. I don't want to miss that story. I think back half is going to be really good for GM and Ford. But right now, I'm still concerned that tougher times, money is tighter, that sales, it could be a tough couple quarters coming. So I think there's going to be a time where we want to own GM and Ford. I don't want to be early on this trade, so I'm just not in it yet. All right, and uh, we are getting, uh, we've gotten this one multiple times. We don't talk about it often. Uh, OSH, I know this one had done a little bit of a gap up. It was kind of rumors and buy the rumor, sell the news kind of thing. I think this is just kind of more of an arbitrage style play now. Where's uh, that thing now? It's sitting it's, up here waiting to be bought. Yeah, it's just kind of sitting up there and uh, waiting to hear news, right? And I think yeah. that. This, this is the type of trade that I try to a little bit uh, avoid just because in my eyes, um, if I don't know which way the news is coming and the stock has already made a move, I feel like right here, at least the odds are more that even if you get the announcement, how much more premium are you going to get on this trade? That's what I'd be thinking about. But 
Dennis, I think, has a little bit more expertise on a trade like this. What do you think, Dennis? I'm not following the story, though. So, But when you've got you know, a stock in play, it'll typically hold up until you find out whether it's getting bought or not. Obviously, it's holding up fairly well. People must think that this is a substantial rumor. Again, I'm not following the story individually, so I can't really comment on you know whether it's going to get bought or not. But the arbitragers are holding it up, thinking that there's a good chance it gets bought. Yeah, I mean, they're holding it up and there's just conflicting news, right? Uh, Bloomberg saying that they were exploring to purchase CVS. Now some people saying that CVS is not looking into them. So be careful there in OSH. We'll see what happens. All right, uh, last one. We'll get into one more here. It's 9 a.m. and definitely don't miss Netflix earnings tonight. Wanted to give you guys at least the insight that we will be doing an earnings uh, reaction interview and the earnings call right here on benzinga you don't want to miss it michael pactor will be there talking about netflix tonight don't miss that team that's going to start at 5 p.m the earnings call starts at 6 p.m for netflix so we're going to run you to that earnings call you'll see it right here on benzinga my man uh of course uh, we're going to get into the action with Michael Pactor. I'm excited to hear what he has to think after the earnings come out. And just to kind of note it, he, he's going to be coming on after CNBC. We'll get him after. I like that, though, because you know why? A little bit more time to digest the earnings. Really close to the earnings call. We'll find out how he sees Netflix. Don't miss that tonight. All right, last little message here to take a look at. Um Looks like uh, I see some Volta mentioned. No, we're not going to get into that. Let's do the Unity. We'll do a Unity. Oh, good, this good is stock kind of to more, talk. Yeah, more that growth stock that Ugly. caught a little bit of the bounce. Yeah. Wasn't able to hold the gains. Ugly key reversal yesterday. The metaverse play, which, you know, obviously was a really cool story in 2020 and in early 2021 has come off substantially here. I do think this company is going to be a major player in the metaverse. Michael Pactor himself has said, you know, this is going to be a major player in the metaverse and he's often right in the end um not not always but you know in a lot of cases he's been right um i'm just again it's valuation i don't believe it's making money it's you know is the metaverse coming next year are we looking you know 2030 like facebook predicts i'm like they're not going to sit around for seven years waiting for that so it's tough trade and it's a tough candle yesterday just meaning that key reversal i don't like Definitely, we'll see what happens in Unity and overall ARKK. I was talking yesterday. Should I go Sarking? I didn't get into it, but it looked good there off the monthly low there into the 45s. You can see there's some monthly support around the 45. We'll look to see if the Sark keeps going. Of course, that's the opposite to the ARKK. And one name that I will give that I'll be looking to see if it kind of retraces the move is like a Roku. Roku got up there back towards a resistance towards uh, 5170s. You could say maybe 52s. We'll look to see if that rejects and comes right back towards 45 or 40. This is one of those stocks that I'll be watching today. All those stocks were so in favor, you know, just as of yesterday morning. And now all of a sudden you get scared. Roku didn't really sell off much, though. So it held up better than the other ones. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. There's a trend line there. Draw your little, take your Jeff Mackey purple crayon, draw your line. If it starts to break, which it looks like it's kind of trying to do this morning, that's concerning. We'll see what happens if you do get that break there in Roku and some of these growth names. Like always, let's go back to the SPY, wrap up there. We're towards 389.19. What would make you feel like we're coming back, Dennis? What would it take for you to feel like we're coming back on the SPY? Is that a clear of any level? Is that 396? What, what are you looking for? On the SPY? Yeah, upside action to make you feel like... I think we are temporarily oversold. So we just went from overbought to oversold in one day. You just dropped Mm -hmm. 120, now 110 handles because we're off the lows here from the pre-market. So you've come back substantially. So I think a check back to like maybe the 50% at 393, 394 might be in order. I'd be selling a lot of stocks there if that happens. So I'm looking for a rally to sell. I'm not of the opinion that, you know, I think... It was scary. I think there's more tape bombs coming from the earnings. I think, you know, back to, you know, even like a UAL and you saw the key reversal and it was good earnings. And I don't like the fact they're selling stocks on good earnings. Um, again, I, I talked to UAL again. I do have a, I, I do have a day trading long position in UAL, which I'm down in right now, but I will be getting out at that at the open. So I actually was talking against my book. 
Well, there you guys have it. That's probably going to do it for us. Like always, you guys can stay up with us on live trading. Dennis will get you out of here. Have a good one, my friend. Go do what you do best. All right, Dennis is out of here. I will let you guys know the book club will be starting up this Sunday. This Sunday, what we're going to do is necessarily just have an introduction. Talk about, of course, what book we're going to be talking about. And also, we'll give you guys the access. Google has a free kind of... Google has the free preview. So if you guys want to go ahead and check out the first chapter, you guys can do so. Just throw it up in the link there. And what book are we going to be going to? Well, we're going to be doing my favorite trading book, right? To start, right? Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. You guys don't want to miss it. Of course, Mark Douglas is really great at taking more of a probability mindset. It has helped me tons. If there's any book that I've ever read in trading that I've been like, Man, this is good. It was Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. You don't want to miss it. Join the book club before you can't get in. Um, I'm going to do my best to go ahead and keep pushing here. And of course, there will be a video of the recorded of the book club. But the big thing here is that if you're part of the book club, you get the unlisted version, the behind the scenes, all the talk. I will be putting out an edited form of this talk, right? But it's going to be very short and nowhere near of what you're going to be able to get if you're part of the book club. By being part of the book club, you'll have that behind the scenes. You'll be looking into all the real life examples, hearing all the discussion. And of course, you guys get to join the show. It's not just going to be myself. I'll be I'll be accompanied by Christopher Uall and we'll go ahead and go through the topics. You guys will be joining by video or audio to talk about these topics. Because I always feel like, especially when we're in like trading psychology, we need to talk this out. We need to kind of build the knowledge. What we're trying to do is take knowledge from the book and make it more practical for you so that you guys know exactly how you can go ahead and put that knowledge to work. I'll see you guys over on the book club. We'll be starting up this Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll let you guys know. Email will be coming out later today. Just wanted to give you guys the heads up. Trading in the zone, Mark Douglas. We'll see you guys there at the book club. Up next, don't miss it. We'll get into some trading action with live trading. Zunaid, Lord Ryan, and I, as we get right into the market action, hit the like. Let's keep going. I know that's that's just the best book. Can't go wrong there. Book two is my Money Mitch fan fiction. Hey, get ready. One day, we'll be having the book. I think I'm going to get with Dennis. We need to start our own book. Dennis has been talking about his book often. We need to do a book for pre-market prep. All right, team, hit the like button. We'll see you guys over on live trading. Don't go anywhere. A lot of action today right here on Benzinga.